0: There are places that I drive around Providence and I remember someone who died there or, um, or a family member who talked to me about someone that they lost. I, I mean, I can think of every single one.
1: Welcome to Unearthed, a podcast brought to you by the WBRU News Team. And I'm your host, Ellie Morimoto. Picture a crime scene. Someone's been shot. The yellow tape is up, police lights color the street as cops and EMS workers surround the victim. And in the middle of it all stands reporter Amanda Milkovitz, notebook in hand. Here's WBRU news reporter Carolyn Paletta. Nobody knows crime
2: in Providence like Amanda Milkovitz does. She's been a crime reporter at the Providence Journal for 18 years, and she's seen it all shootings, robberies, you name it. I wanted to know what it's like to follow crime and violence for a living, and what Amanda thinks about gun violence after covering so many shootings. I met up with Amanda at the Providence Police Station. She's here every week to sit in on meetings and catch up with officers. Her first stop was Major David Lapidin, the head of the investigative unit. Thanks. Me know when you're ready.
0: So I guess... All right, so on the record, tell me why
2: home invasions, you know, people are going in, they
0: are threatening the residents in the house. But if they just want drugs and money, they
2: could break in when people aren't home.
0: What is the extra level to committing a home invasion? What is it that.
2: We're sitting in the major's office. He's behind his desk. And she's trying to get him to release information about a recent string of home invasions in the city. He's resistant. But that just makes Amanda push harder.
0: When at home. I know, but you know what? Let people them... end up dead in these home invasions.
1: A, it, Remember
0: we, that poor family, elderly man who was or
1: killed. Not, still the, the,
0: Well, the difference is the public will feel assured that the yeah. police department is doing something, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to, oh, look
1: at that, another home invasion. I, the public's assured. The public knows How does the public they, know what you're doing? they know doing. the targeted areas.
2: Yeah, yeah. but, but I would like to know... After 10 minutes of this, the major won't budge. But she has other ways.
0: Come on,
2: come on, come on! No I'm way. helping
1: Absolutely you. Absolutely not. Fine. But that Salvatore, I don't know. Just I'll, we're just gonna. Ask him Salvatore that. doesn't know, so how's he gonna say? Well,
0: maybe he's gonna find out, and then he's gonna tell he's us. He's not
1: gonna find you out. You are
0: not our only source here, Mister. Mm-hmm. Just.
1: name. Yeah.
2: Amanda's comfortable here at the police station. It almost feels like an extension of her own office. She knows nearly everyone and catches up with people in the hallways as we move through the rounds. After she was done at the police station, she drove me to her actual office at the Providence Journal. The office is a big open floor plan filled with little gray cubicles, lit by a wall of full-length windows that overlook downtown Providence. Amanda walked me to her desk, which is covered in books, files, and most importantly, police scanners.
0: Ta-da! This is it.
2: Scanners everywhere. There are two of them on her desk. They look like old-school radios black, with slits in the front. Amanda listens to the scanners all day long, so that when a crime is called, she can be one of the very first people on the scene. All day, just like white noise? Yep,
0: yep, yep, Not only that, um, but I also listen, there's one online that I listen to, too, so I can plug in it. I asked her what she's listening for. The dispatcher's voices will change in subtle ways. It's not necessarily what they say, it's how they say it. So I'm listening for um, You know some excitement if they're chasing somebody they're always out of breath um, and excited and um, yeah if there's a shooting if there's a murder we just go you just get up and go go right to the
2: scene as quickly as possible Amanda's job has brought her to the front lines of hundreds of shootings there are places that I drive
0: around Providence and I remember someone who died there or or a family
2: member who talked to me about someone that they lost. I, I mean, I can think of every single one. Not only is she on the scene to witness and record the details of the event, but she stays long after the cops and EMS workers have gone to talk to witnesses and to find the family and friends of the victim.
0: When you, when you get an opportunity to tell those stories, um, people are letting you into their world and, and giving you a perspective
2: that you're not gonna see otherwise, that you hope you don't have to ever see. Every shooting impacts her, but the ones that stay with her most are those involving children. In the car on our way to the Providence Journal, Amanda told me a story that she wrote five years ago about a 12-year-old girl who was accidentally shot and killed during a gang feud.
0: So this happened a couple of years ago. There was a feud between these two gangs in Providence. They kind of ran into each other, and somebody's van's mirror got smashed. It wasn't a big thing, but the other gang was ticked off, and they decided they were going to go find that gang that night.
2: This type of retaliatory violence has always been common in gangs, but the rising availability of guns has made rivalries more deadly than they once were. That was something, I've talked to some uh, guys who were involved in stuff way, way back, and they're like, you know, we used to just fight, just go
0: out and fight and beat the crap out of each other. Um, but the guns are so easy to get and, and so easy to, like, carry around that
2: um, that's what people are using. So, when the Harriet Street gang headed over to the Hartford Park housing projects looking for revenge, they were armed. They drove around, they parked, and the guy with the gun got out
0: and was walking around looking for somebody, something, and they didn't really see any gang members. What they saw was a
2: party outside of um, mostly women and children because it was a high school graduation party. In most shootings, the victim is targeted by the shooter and knows them personally. It's not often that regular civilians are caught up in gang crossfire, but sometimes, things go wrong.
0: And this girl who's 12 years old, Anise Vargas, was there with her mom um, and their neighbors and friends, and um, this is what some of the witnesses told me later, was that he just walked up and just started shooting at them, and he shot Anise in the neck, and she collapsed into her mother's arms and shot um, two other women and injured them, and, and took off and got in the van, and they had nothing to do with any gang violence were just outside. It, it was just, it was so low that I think the young men who were involved in this feud are like, wow, this is just, this is, this has gone too far. You don't, you don't hurt kids.
2: After the shooting occurred, Amanda reached out to niece's family. She tries to meet with the families and friends of every victim, so that when she writes about them, it's not just a name in the paper.
0: The interviews will last a very long time, last hours. And, um, because they need to tell somebody and I'm, I'm not a family member I'm not a friend I'm a complete stranger I, you know, I'm kind of a blank so they can say whatever it is that they need to say when I wrote about uh, Anise Vargas, the 12-year-old girl, her father welcomed me into his home several times to talk about her, and um, and sent me cell phone videos that she had made of herself dancing, and just to, so I would understand the kind of girl that she was. I mean, she's 12 years old, but you know, to see her alive, really, and, and the kind of person that she
2: was, just just drove home the loss that that he experienced. I would say most of the time, people want to talk. She wants readers to care about the effect that crime and gun violence is having on their city, on their own neighbors. Mass shootings have drawn national attention to gun violence. But the smaller scale, daily violence that Amanda reports on is harder to draw attention to.
0: Sometimes you just don't care until it affects something close to you. You can see yourself in those victims, and maybe that's why, you know, the mass shootings have been particularly effective and powerful for the general public, because we can see ourselves in the Parkland kids or, um, you know, on the Capital Gazette newspaper, we can see ourselves in them.
2: Amanda has learned that sympathy is often not enough to convince people that daily gun violence is a problem they should care about. So she tried a different approach when writing about Anissa's murder. We thought if we can't get you to care about these victims, well, maybe you should care because you were paying for it in every, in every way. So this is what it
0: cost for a homicide victim. This is what it costs society for someone who's been injured in a shooting. And, um, you know, we talked to doctors, we, we talked to, you know, we,
2: we found out about the insurance, we found out about,
0: you know, the health care.
2: Amanda cost. and her team estimated that the total cost of Anissa's murder was around $5.1 million. She knows that finance is a cold way to calculate loss, but it sends a clear message that we all pay the price for the gun violence happening in our cities. Because if they
0: don't, if people cannot relate to those
2: victims, then they're not gonna care. And that has been something that we we try to address when we get a chance to do kind of bigger stories. Amanda wants the gun violence to stop, and she believes that sharing stories of the victims and the families that suffer with them can show readers the value of a human life, and how much can be taken with a pull of the trigger. I I wish the people
0: who've got the guns would put them down. You don't know how this is going to change you this is going to change this person, this is going to change your family, this is going to change your friends, you are never going to get this back, and they are never going to get this back. I've seen people being sentenced to spend the rest of their lives in prison, and it just, you can see that look on their face, but mostly I see the look on their parents' faces that just, you know, how is this my life, how how did this happen,
2: and um, I can't possibly fix it. From WBRU News, I'm Carolyn Paletta. Thanks for listening.
1: This episode was brought to you by the WBRU News team in Providence, Rhode Island special shout out to Andy Corbin, Yashi Wang, Karius Zenner, Rainey Zimmerman, Eileen Foe, Elise Kipnis, and John Klein for their help in making this episode happen. The mission of Unearthed is to have people talk to one another, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave your comments on iTunes or DM us on Instagram at WBRU News. I'm Ellie Morimoto, and thanks for listening.